0: Welcome to the inaugural episode of Finding Sunshine in the Darkness. I'm Kim Romero, and I'll be your host. In 2015, I started a Facebook group called Finding Sunshine in the Darkness of Dementia to document my experiences caring for my mom. Then I realized I was inspired by so many other stories of hope and healing that were outside of just dealing with someone that had dementia. And I felt that there was a community needed of people that had passed through trials and challenges and came out on the other side better for it. So by sharing our stories of struggles and triumphs, we offer hope and support to others in numerous scenarios that the human condition puts us in. So I dropped the dementia and made it into finding sunshine in the darkness. I am part of this sandwich generation of people who are raising their children while they care for their elderly, aging, or ill parents. It is easy as a caregiver to lose touch with yourself and fall into depression. And that was me for years. I have learned that life is not a balancing act. I kept on trying to balance my life all the time. But it's more like a juggling act. Sometimes you drop balls because keeping them going in perfect sync all the time is just not possible. You're always letting somebody down. And when I'm focusing too much on my mom's needs, my children would suffer. And because my mom and my children relied on me so much, my poor husband, Mike, would just be straight up neglected. <laughs> and in 2021, we moved. And I was determined to pull myself out of this rut I was in. I was overweight and not healthy and not happy. I don't know if any of you have seen that movie, Yes Man, with Jim Carrey, where he goes to this conference that teaches him that to start bringing good things into his life, he had to start saying yes to random things instead of no to everything, to just see what possibilities life could bring him. Well, I decided to do just that. <laughs> I started signing myself up for these random free classes I would find on social media. Like, like I took one called uh, Your Soul is Calling that turned into a class called Made to Do This in an attempt to try and find my purpose in life. And one of the assignments for that class was to create a podcast. And this was completely out of my comfort zone. Like who was I to start? I mean, I didn't have anything to say to anybody that was relevant, I felt. And so I started racking my brain, trying to figure out what a podcast by me would even look like. And I realized that the Facebook group that I had created would be exactly the content I would want to put out into the world to try to make it better. And it would create a wider platform for the community I was trying to support. So I made a trailer, (laughs) but I never did anything with it. So it's like just sat there for two years. Well, turning 50 this year, I decided I wanted to finish lots of things that I started and one of them being school. So here I am trying to get a degree in family and human services. And I'm in a class called Family 100. And we were given a project that would highlight some of the things that we had learned this semester in this class. And some of the suggestions um For this project were like write a children's book or start a blog. And none of those suggestions really spoke to me. Um, and it wasn't something I could just do in 10 weeks. Like, <laughs> and So I was in like a panic mode trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I was so discouraged by it that I was ready to quit the class. (laughs) I was like in tears telling my husband, I'm just going to quit. There's no way I can do this. But then I remembered my creation of my unused podcast platform and my mission statement for it paired perfectly with the rubric for this assignment. And I received permission from my professor to go ahead with it. So here we are. The chapter I will be covering in this episode is called Supporting Families Across Generations. And this is totally up my alley because I have been caring for my mom for about 12 years now. That is half of my marriage and at least 75% of my time caring for my children. I could practically be a professional caregiver (laughs) with the hours that I've put into it. Um, But our textbook is called Successful Marriages and Families. And this chapter was written by Richard B. Miller and Jerry Jeremy B. Jorgensen. <laughs> um, but they share that because people are living longer today than ever before, family relationships are increasingly extended into mid and later life. And so, yeah, here I am. Um, my mom's living with me, right? Um, So these child, parent, and grandparent relationships provide satisfying emotional bonds as well as tangible help and assistance between generations. So this is what that chapter basically talks about. Um, I'm not sure if they were studying just Western culture, but in the Latin community, as well as in many other countries, having multiple generations living in, in one house is the norm. The problem is that now people are living longer, but have longer periods of disability in those years. So their quality of life is not always that great. And so it really requires the help of um, family or a caregiver. Um, And a lot of people don't have money to go into a care facility. But this has been the case with my mom. At 80, she was diagnosed with dementia. She was fiercely independent before this. She was living on her own and still working 40 hours a week and raising my 10-year-old nephew. But she was hospitalized with pneumonia and a fungus growing in her lungs. And this is what triggered or that is what triggered the dementia. It also started a domino effect of destruction in her life. I mean, she lost her job. Her license to drive, her home, and my nephew went to live with his mom, which was a good thing. Um, my mom had become obsessed with his care, and my niece, who was now an adult with four other children, was totally capable of caring for him. But she was worried that it would what of what it would do to my mom because she was so um, she was so focused on his care, and he had become her little companion, you know. So. Um, She was overly attached and it was not good for either of them. Um, So we had had to take my mom to court to prove that he was better off with his mom. And we did, it was not hard. We had the support of his school and the diagnosis from the doctors um, that she had dementia. And little did we know that it was because of the dementia that her attachment to him had become so unhealthy. Um, a lot of times patients with dementia, they become hyper obsessed with something. And unfortunately my poor nephew was hers. Um, I mean, just like what he ate, you know, who he talked to, where he went to the bathroom. Like she was just like overly obsessed with him. So a lot of it was because of the dementia. So my mom, when we did this, um, was furious at us. She called us conspiring witches, she did not talk to me for a while. (sighs) Sometimes when caring for someone, you have to make hard decisions and just do the right thing, even if it makes them hate you for a while. But you have to be absolutely sure it is the right thing for them. That you're not doing it for your own selfish reasons. It has to be for the safety and protection of those involved. Um, in the family, a proclamation to the world published by the LDS Church, it states that extended families should lend support when needed. Well, this is easier said than done, though. I have a friend who is struggling with her father who was aging and at times homeless. He did not want to live with anybody. My mom felt the same way. Giving up your independence and needing to depend on other people to help you or just being at the mercy of other people is so hard. Some people are lucky to have assets like homes or property that if sold would help them pay for a care facility or you know, in home care. Um but care facilities are crazy expensive nowadays. And some children have to have have to give up their inheritance because they can't devote the time needed to their parents full time care. Or they are just not willing to give up their freedom or their lifestyles. And caregiving can take over your life if you do not have the support of other family members. It does help if you have others to share the burden with. Uh, My brother Randy and my sister Jojo have been that support for me. They would sometimes take me, well, sometimes they would take my mom for weeks so that my family could be normal and go on family vacations twice I was suffering from caregiver burnout and they each took my mom for about a year at different times um, through this 12 year period that she has had the dementia. And that was enough time usually for my family to heal, like my family, meaning me, my husband and my children. Um, Ultimately, I was just the person who was better equipped to care for my mom and as her illness progressed, because I just was kind of made for it. (laughs) I think the experience that she gave me in life kind of prepared me for this moment. Um, We did not think that she would ever last this long. She would be 92 this year. I mean, (laughs) this all started when she was 80 years old and now she's 92 and Um, she has beat death multiple times. At one point, they gave her two weeks to live. Just a couple of years ago, we thought for sure she was on her way out, but she graduated from hospice. (laughs) My brother and sister always feel guilty that the burden mostly falls on me um, and on my family. But, um, and, and there are lots of sacrifices involved in having my mom still with us, but I hold absolutely no resentment towards my brother or sister because each of them have at least tried what i have learned is that not everyone is equipped to be a caregiver maybe maybe it's because of their living situation maybe it is just temperament i mean not everyone has it in them to be care uh, to be caring and loving and nurturing it's just not who they are um and that doesn't make them a bad person they they have Lots of caregiving falls on the shoulders of women, and I think it's just in our nature to care and nurture, but I have met plenty of men that have risen to the occasion. So um, it's just temperament and personality um, and what you're willing to do. Um, Sometimes in life, we are faced with tough stuff. Some people have to battle cancer, and others have physical disabilities, and some people have to care for someone in these situations and it's not it, it is not being in these situations that make you brave or strong or a hero it is your attitude and your perspective through the fire and through the crucibles that matter you either become a bitter victim of your circumstances or you use it to change and refine you into something better so what are the hard things about caring for my aging, slowly, very slowly dying mother. (laughs) At first, it was the time she demanded from me. Making room in our home and our lives for her, I had to always consider her care before I went anywhere, and I had to just take her with me, which was a lot of physical effort. She moved so slow, and for a period before we got smart and started using a wheelchair or a walker, she would fall a lot. I mean, following in the Costco parking lot or like following, falling, trying to go outside and falling off the steps. And, um, wow. Um, we spent many hours, days and weeks in the hospital when in the hospital when that would happen. And it would disrupt the flow of our regular lives and my children's schedules there, were, there was an adjustment period of this new norm, and it took me a while to get out of myself, lose the resentment, and take things moment by moment for what it was. I was not allowed to be sick anymore. Too many people needed me. I, I didn't have time for that. <laughs> it felt like I was back living the infant and toddler stages of all, all over again with my children. But this time it was with my mom. I rarely get a good night's sleep when she's around. She seems to always be up up to something in the middle of the night. It never fails. Shuffling up and down the hallways, opening the front door, taking her bucket out of her toilet, then sitting on the toilet and being all over the floor <laughs> because her brain just does not think logically anymore. And the worst um, were the falls. I now sleep in a room with her, which means I am not sleeping in the room with my husband where I belong. And my husband and I have been married 22 years, and he had no idea what he was signing up for when he married me. But the further my mom's dementia progresses, the more housebound I have become. I've had to quit my jobs. Right now, most Sundays, I don't even go to church because she is up during that time, and to take her would be too much of a production. And I had, and I can't leave her alone. Um, I do have a camera that watches her, but um, sometimes I can't. I wouldn't be able to get home fast enough to keep her safe, so I just have to stay home. I'm lucky now that Mike, my husband can work from home and that my daughter, Anna, um, who's 16, um, she homeschools, but she has like a, she does go to classes, but she only has to go two days a week. So it gives me the freedom during the weekday to run errands and have a little part-time job to get, to make ends meet. Um, Plus those times out and about are my respite. Some days my mom yells for help or my name, or mom, 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 nonstop. It's crazy, like over and over again, like a broken record. When I go in there to see what she needs, she has no idea that she is even doing it. Um, It's like a broken record playing in her head. Um, And for me, it's like nails on a chalkboard. I just need to get out and get a break once in a while um, to reset because it's just... Um, monotonous. And because she does it with such feeling and she, uh, I mean, her yells for help and her pleas for help are like so desperate and real, but I go in there and she's like, totally fine. (laughs) Nothing's wrong. It's just this record playing in her head. And a lot of it is caused by the anxiety of not knowing where she is ever she gets up and she doesn't, she always says she wants to go home. She doesn't, nothing looks familiar to her. And some days I'm not even familiar to her. Um, when I am, those are the good days. (laughs) Those are the days when she's my mom again. You know, um, I have a bucket list of things that I want to do when my mom passes (laughs) Girl trips, camping trips, romantic anniversary trips with Mike, long vacations, spontaneous outings and concerts. Um, those are all things I would love to do that I haven't been able to do in many, many years. Um, maybe I'll get a full-time job. Maybe I'll do volunteer work. I don't know. But there are some things. These are just some things for me to look forward to. Um, I'm holding these as my reward for the years of love and care. <laughs> I'm hoping that someday these things happen. Um, There are blessings that come from this, though. Most of them in the form of life lessons. Um, Many are just recognized tender mercies from the Lord in my life and learning that he is real and completely aware of my situation and willing to put little miracles in my life just when I need them the most. (laughs) Sometimes the blessing is walking into my mom's room and seeing her face light up over and over again, as if I was not just in there five minutes before. (laughs) At least someone is excited to see me. (laughs) She still treats me like her world revolves around me, like when I was little. Sometimes I will just sit on her bed next to her and hug her and feel her little frail body melt into mine. It reminds me that she needs love and affection too. And it just puts me back in my place. (laughs) Remembering that she is still my mother, right? And she deserves all the love and respect that um, I can give her. Um, I was bathing her yesterday and she, she bites me every time I need to take her to a bath. She doesn't want to do it. Sometimes she'll throw bigger tantrums than not. And I've learned that I have to stay positive. I have to, um, not match her anger or her anxiety. So I will dance with her. I will tell her how good she's doing. I will tell her how great she's going to feel. And I just keep on talking in this positive tone as I coax her into the shower. Um, But um, once she's in there well, at this particular day, yesterday when she was sitting there on her little shower chair and I had already started washing her and she stopped and looked at me um, right in the eyes and quietly and sincerely said, I love you so much. I want you to know that. And she tells me that a lot and how lucky I am, even though she sometimes has no clue who I am somewhere in her heart. She remembers and she appreciates my patience and kindness when I give it to her that way. Um, those moments keep the resentment and the selfishness at bay and give me perspective. And it replaces those negative feelings with love on a different level. It helps me see her through God's eyes. Um, and what is life if we don't have family? Sometimes family can be messy and ugly, but I believe that when the individuals in a family establish principles of faith, prayer, repentance, and forgiveness, respect, compassion, love, and work, we can experience the joy and happiness in families that God intended. And sometimes these little moments with my mom, her hugs or um, her excitement to see me, um, her expressions of telling me that she loves me. Isn't that what it's about? Don't we all need that in our life and where else better to get it, but from our family and loved ones, um, especially when we need them and, and their support the most. Um, but through these relationships, we learn how to become more like Jesus Christ. We, well, we learn patience and tolerance and, how to love on a different level, um, different levels, right? There's uh, companionship love. There's the love that you have for a child. There's friend love. And then there's just um, the lo- love in general, learning to look at people through God's eyes and stop seeing their faults and seeing them um, as God would see him. I remember there's a story that I wrote one time about my mom in my journal. Um, and I remember I was just kind of nagging my son, Josh. I was so upset because he wasn't cleaning his room. And, you know, it was just, uh, I was frustrated with him. And I remembered something that my mom had told me in the car one time when we were driving And she said, when I think of Josh, I think of perfect. And that just stopped me for a while because, you know, as a mom, (laughs) we have these expectations for our children and we want them to, you know, just do the things we ask them to do. We want them to be clean. We want them to be organized. We want them to eat healthy and we like to nag (laughs) until they get there. But to my mom, those things didn't matter. Um, not anymore. Maybe when I was little, right? <laughs> because she was a mom. But now that she's older and slowed down and that is not a priority in her life anymore, she can see Josh for what he is. <laughs> and Josh is always so good to my mom. He was always so kind and so patient with her in caring for her. Um, and my mom appreciated that from him. So I thought about that and I, isn't that what Heavenly Father thinks of us in His all knowing mind and <laughs> His all knowing presence? He sees us as perfect. And that's because He knows our hearts. He knows who we are without the trauma, without the burdens. Um, in our pure form. And I think that when we have families and we go through these uh, situations with um, each other, caring for each other, forgiving each other, um, when we can get through those things, we can get through that crucible and become better and become more like Christ and see people in that light. So I have created four more episodes of this podcast for this project. They all touch on different challenges and aspects in family life. And now, since this is my first time doing this, it is far from perfect. These are roughly edited and the sound could be better, but you have to start somewhere. (laughs) If I was not doing this for the school project, I know this would not be happening. (laughs) I would be picking it apart and thinking it was not good enough, and they would probably never be published. But to move through any fear, you have to go through it to move forward. So here it is. The four people I have interviewed are dear friends who I love, respect, and admire, and I hope their stories find the right ears and can touch the right hearts that maybe need to hear their stories. If you listen to this till the end, I thank you for giving me a chance to share my experiences and for your time and support. So here it is. Please listen to the next four episodes of Finding Sunshine in the Darkness as I post them this week.